um, I was feeling really good about this, and then I've been like in tears all morning with all that music, so bear with me, please. <laughs> um, it's very fitting to be sharing my story here at Family Fest because um, it revolves around the miracles God has woven together to bring me to my family. Growing up, my family was very involved in the church, and faith and trust in God was something that was instilled in me in a young age. My mom was a prayer warrior, and whenever I was feeling anxious about something, she would tell me, worry and you do not trust, trust and you do not worry. That is probably why one of my favorite Bible verses is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This Bible verse has carried me through many difficult times in my life when I haven't felt like I understood what God's plan was for me. During a tough breakup in college, a desire to live abroad, and wondering if I would ever find a husband. Which leads us to miracle number one, me actually getting married. To fully understand this, you need to know that I grew up with my parents telling me that choosing the person to marry is one of the most important decisions of your life and encouraged me to be praying about this from a very young age. So being the firstborn and a rule follower, I'm pretty sure I started praying for my future husband around age eight. <laughs> Coupled with my parents' love story, where my mom actually heard God's booming voice telling her the name of the man she was supposed to marry, and that's a story for another time, because it's crazy, I had high expectations for how God was going to place the perfect man into my life. In my mid-20s, I moved abroad to work in international schools as a school counselor in Honduras and China. I was super independent, adventurous, and had a long checklist of what I was looking for in a partner someday. You know, the huge. A Christian, kind, six-foot-five surfer who wore flip-flops and looked like Patrick Swayze. Aaron and I met at a rooftop party in Shanghai. Wave, Aaron. <laughs> He was working for a furniture company and jokingly introduced himself to me as the Sofa King, which did not sound sexy to me at all. <laughs> we ended up talking most of the night and meeting up for brunch the next morning. I friend-zoned him pretty quickly as he didn't quite check all of my boxes I had created for myself. For one, he was four years younger than me, and after turning 28, I felt like I had finally become a woman and I did not want to be dating a boy at 24. At dinner one night, I was trying to explain to him how I thought we should just be friends, and he didn't quite seem to be buying into my reasoning, so I tried to make it extra clear for him. I drew two little squares on the table, and I said, here's the thing. Here is your age box, 18 to 25, check. And here is my age box, 26 to 34, check our boxes will never go together. To which he responded, so you're saying I'm just a boy in a box? And I'm like, yeah, but I really like you. I enjoy hanging out. Let's stay friends, which we did. But he wore me down with his sense of humor, kindness, and easygoing personality as I would text him, what are you up to today? And he'd write back, just hanging in my box, <laughs> just cleaning my box, just watching TV in my box. And I was like, okay, this guy's funny, and he's really patient with me, so maybe I should give the cute Canadian a chance. We were engaged two years later when he proposed to me over breakfast while we were still living in Shanghai. We planned a big wedding with all of our family and friends for a year and a half in the future, but due to needing a green card for Aaron to move to the States, our immigration lawyer told us that we had to get married 
as soon as possible to start the paperwork. We flew home two months later over our Chinese New Year holiday to get married on Super Bowl Sunday in my parents' living room in Wisconsin. I sobbed the entire week leading up to our wedding, which did not instill much confidence in my fiance that we were going to be getting married at the end of the week. I knew I loved Aaron. I was just struggling with the suite of things. I'm a processor, and I thought I was going to have a year and a half of being engaged before I had to become a wife. And instead, I was getting married in three months, and this was not how I had envisioned my wedding as a little girl. And if I'm to be completely honest, I was still waiting for my sign from God that this was the man I was supposed to marry. Aaron sweetly and nervously listened to all my fears and calmed my nerves the best he could. Before I went upstairs to prepare for the ceremony, Aaron grabbed my hands, looked at me in the eyes, and said, please come down the stairs and marry me. <laughs> my voice shaking, I told him I would. I went up to my room to spend some time with God to pray, hoping he would bring me peace and reassurance about the vows I was about to take. I opened my Bible to my favorite Bible verse, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, which was going to be read at our ceremony. I like to write down dates in my Bible and what I'm praying for when I underline them, and I had never actually noticed it before, but I had written down February 5th, 2008, praying that my future husband is out there somewhere. And tears filled my eyes because February 5th is Aaron's birthday, and 2008 was the year that we met. So I was praying for my future husband on his actual birthday, and here we are getting married two years later, the same weekend, February 6th. It was like God telling me, to see, telling me, see, I know what I'm doing. I got this guy picked out for you, and the peace that suppresses all understanding washed over me. I came down those stairs as confident as ever that this was the man I was supposed to marry. And that wedding we planned in two months, which was not the wedding I had dreamed about as a little girl, was actually so special. Getting married in my parents' living room in the $20 dress I had made at the fabric market in Shanghai, my dad got to marry us. My 90-year-old grandma was my matron of honor. Aaron's mom was his best mom. And the Packers won the Super Bowl, giving us the best wedding gift ever. <laughs> and honestly, um, I couldn't have asked for a better partner. And just two weeks ago, we celebrated 12 years of marriage. And I guess God actually does know what he's doing, which also means it's been 12 years since the Packers won the Super Bowl. But I'm not bitter. A year and a half later, with a green card in hand, we moved back to Minnesota, and we are now ready to try for a baby. But month after month was a negative test, and the disappointment started to grow. After a year of trying and a bunch of fertility tests, we are diagnosed with unexplained infertility, which is hard to hear because you want answers as to why it's not working. If anyone has walked the road of infertility or knows someone who has, you know it's extremely hard on the heart, body, and mind. The disappointment is cumulative as you see a negative pregnancy test each month and there are feelings of shame that your body is not doing what it's supposed to do. It can also be extremely isolating, especially when it feels like everyone around you is getting pregnant just like that. I felt like God had forgotten about me and wasn't listening to the one true desire of my heart someday to be a mom. So on New Year's Eve 2013, after a year and a half of trying for a baby, I found myself at odds with God. As I mentioned, I love to journal, and each New Year's Eve, I sit down to reflect on the past year, the good, the bad, and what I'm looking forward to in the new year. As I journaled, I wept because I was having such a hard time trusting in God that we would actually ever have a family. 
So being the go-getter that I am, I decided to take matters into my own hands and declared 2014 to be the year of the baby, which meant that we would be either looking into fertility treatments to hopefully get pregnant or starting the adoption process in the new year. Either way, I wanted to be one step closer to our baby. We tried less invasive fertility treatments for a few months before moving on to IVF. Our first round of IVF, we had eight eggs fertilized, but by transfer day, we only had one left, and it was not good quality. They said our chances of getting pregnant were extremely low to, due to the poor quality of the embryo. I felt so defeated. After all this time, energy, and money we had put into IVF, it still wasn't going to work. I met with my counselor that week to work through some of my grief and told her I wanted a baby, all I wanted was a baby with Aaron's dark brown eyes. She asked how our relationship was holding up under all the stress, and I just started sobbing because I loved him even more going through all this together. There is no other person that I would want to be in further with than him. <laughs> the weekend before I was scheduled for my pregnancy test at the clinic, my body was telling me that this round has not, had not worked, and I was crushed. However, the morning of our blood work, I woke up with an overwhelming sense of peace. It was so overwhelming because it was so different than anything I'd felt in the past with the anxiety and the fear of two years trying to have a baby. I couldn't pinpoint where it was coming from, but as I sat down to journal, I was brought back to my favorite Bible verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I knew God had a plan for us, even if I wasn't going to get the answers I wanted that day. Later that day, we received a call from the doctor, and he said, you are pregnant. To which I replied, shut up. <laughs> and then Aaron and I just sat in silent shock and prayed that this news was actually real, because it didn't feel real. A few weeks, la weeks later, when we had our first ultrasound with our doctor, I apologized for yelling at him to shut up and told him we just couldn't believe that we were pregnant. He then told me that every baby is a miracle, but if I carried this baby to term, due to the quality of the embryo, we would have a miracle of miracles on our hands. I loved being pregnant. Maybe it was because I feared I may never experience it, and I wasn't going to take anything for granted. I was just so grateful to God for this amazing gift. And if you recall, I had declared 2014 to be the year of the baby. It was not lost on me that I went into labor on the very last day of 2014 on New Year's Eve, and we stepped into the lie of the new year, 2015, as a family with the birth of our son, Bodie Walter, on January 1st, 2015, who had dark brown eyes just like his daddy. God's timing never fails. Bodie was our greatest joy, and we were so grateful to finally be parents. When Bodie was two, we decided we wanted him to have a sibling and would try IVF again. We started the process cautiously optimistic, and after two failed treatments and one bad quality embryos once again, I was so broken. Aaron and I decided that we wanted to give ourselves time to grieve and relax before we decided what our next steps would be. During this time, I kept feeling strong nudges from God that we were called to adoption, but they made me really uncomfortable because that's not what I wanted. I remember getting ready for church one morning, and the feeling was so strong that I said to Aaron, I just need to get this off my chest because the pull is so strong, but I feel like God is calling us to adopt, but it scares me and I'm not ready to talk about it. To which my easygoing husband replied, sounds good, let me know when you're ready. We went to church that morning and the sermon was on trusting God beyond our fears. Pastor Crosby said, we are not living our dreams because we are too busy living out our fears. 
I had so much fear about building our family and whether IVF would work again. However, when I allowed myself to wipe all those fears away, I was left with one answer in my heart. We would adopt. However, this is when the wrestling for control with God really took hold. I was very much feeling God's call, but my desire was I wanted IVF to work. So I told God, not yet, and we pursued IVF one last time. We broke up with our fertility clinic and signed up with a new one, hoping a new set of eyes would help and we'd have a more positive result. And for the sake of time, I can tell you, it didn't work. After we received that phone call, Aaron and I were just numb. I didn't even cry. It was over, officially over. I was never going to be pregnant again. We would never know what a biological sibling of Bodhi's would look like. I would never get that sweet moment in the hospital of Bodhi meeting his new sibling. These were super heavy things that I, we needed to allow ourselves to grieve. But on the flip side, there was this weird sense of relief that we were done. Infertility treatments had ruled our life for the last six years, and it felt like a dark cloud had been following us around for those last few years had finally been lifted. And I was even more grateful for my sweet boy, who after being the only one to make it out of 40 embryos, had proven to be even more of a miracle for us. We may make bad quality embryos, but we sure made a great quality kid. That's our tagline. <laughs> Over the next few months, God kept pulling our conversations towards adoption. On December 10th, 2018, Aaron and I decided that we would step out in faith and grow our family through adoption. When we finally made this decision, we both felt such a sense of peace. It was like we were finally doing what God had been calling us to do all along. One day my devotion read, yielding yourself to my will is ultimately an act of trust. And that is exactly how it felt. I felt like I had finally yielded in the traffic and was going in the right direction rather than the opposite way and getting smashed and broken along the way. I was surrendering to God's will rather than pursuing my own and that peace I had been seeking had finally been found. It was exactly the path we were meant to follow. During this time, I began seeing lots of eagles like so many eagles. They would swoop down in front of me on the freeway, be sitting on the steeple at CPC, be hovering above me on my run. I saw so many of them that one day I came home and Googled the meaning of eagles because it was just getting weird. And it said, when an eagle appears, you are unnoticed to be courageous. Look at things from a new higher perspective, be patient with the present, know that the future holds possibilities that you may not yet be able to see. I took this as God putting me on notice. He knew that I was struggling and had been for quite some time, but he saw the bigger picture, like the eagle, and it was good. I believed he was sending me these eagles as a tangible reminder to trust in him. It was his way of telling me to keep my eyes up on him rather than his, and his promises rather than all the unknowns that were ahead of me. After five long months of paperwork and a home study, we became active with our consultant group, which meant we could start seeing cases. A lot of these cases were hard to read. So much brokenness weaved into these women's lives, yet so much strength and courage as they considered making an adoption plan for their baby. With each yes that we sent out into the world, we had to put our trust in God that he had a plan not only for our family, but for the expectant woman and her baby. We were chosen three weeks later by Mama Jay. We got to meet her over a phone call a few days later. She was so warm, funny, and kind. She told us she chose us because we didn't look boring and that she could tell that Bodhi would be the best big brother. 
She said she felt a peace about her decision when she read our profile book and letter, which felt like an answer to the prayer to both of us. A lot happened in the next six months. Mama Jay and I exchanged phone numbers and we became texting buddies, getting to know each other, checking in on each other, sending pictures and prayers. We also walked through some really hard times with her. And sometimes in those hard times, she would stop responding to texts for a week or two, which of course would always send my mind to the worst case scenario, that something had happened to her, the baby, or that she had changed her mind. And with, and with these fears came major anxiety and anger, not directed at her, but to the lack of control we had in the situation. I feared this wasn't going to work out, that I couldn't control the outcome, that God was going to disappoint me again, and I didn't think my fragile heart could handle it. I began to doubt God and therefore pushed, him away, pushed away from him, thinking I could handle everything better on my own. When we were about two months from the due date, my anger and anxiety got even worse, and it occurred to me that I might be dealing with depression. I don't think I had ever fully processed our losses with infertility or realized the full trauma of those experiences for me. After our last failed IVF, the grief had been too raw for me to even talk about, and I thought I could push those hurts down so far they would just go away, when in reality, the adoption process just brought them all bubbling back to the surface and magnified them. So I sought out help. I made an appointment with a doctor and a therapist. I needed to work through my trauma, face my grief, so I could be healthier and happier for my family and in a better place to welcome this baby with an open heart. And I let God back in. I truly couldn't do this all on my own. I needed him. On December 9th, I got a call at 11 p.m. from our social worker that it was go time. Mama Jay was in labor and on the way to the hospital. In a day, to wake Aaron up from the dead, I packed our bags, brewed some coffee, and hit the road for our eight-hour drive down to Kansas City. After driving through the night, we made it down to the hospital at 7 a.m. Aaron and I prayed in the parking garage that God would be with us, all of us. When we got there, Mama Jay was still laboring, so our social worker brought us back to say hi and give her a quick hug. Two hours later, on December 10th, exactly a year after we decided to pursue adoption, we received a text that baby was here. We could go back and meet him. He was one of the most beautiful babies I've ever seen. Full head of shiny black hair, bright big eyes. He was so calm, he tricked us. As I looked into his eyes for the first time, he was perfect. Our time in the hospital with Mama Jay and the baby was holy as we watched her love on her son and shared lots of laughters and tears together. 48 hours later, the lawyer arrived at the hospital for Mama Jay to sign papers. We sat in the waiting room and waited some more. I gripped Aaron's hand as my body went through every possible emotion. Fear that she might change her mind. Um, grief for her if she did sign. Joy for us if he became our son. The sadness we would feel watching her walk out of the hospital empty-handed. And the sadness for the baby who wouldn't get to go home with his mama who had carried him and loved him for the last nine months. Mama Jay signed. She entrusted us to be his parents. We promised to love him and her unconditionally for the rest of our lives. He was our son, Makai Emmanuel, God with us. I could not wait to get home to Bodhi and have him meet his baby brother. The moment I was so scared would never happen, happened. Bodhi meeting Makai for the first time, brothers. It was a dream come true. 
and our joy was magnified due to everything we had been through to grow our family. Six months later, the day after Makai's adoption finalization, and he was officially a Sicaria, we went up to visit my parents in Wisconsin. We took Makai on his very first pontoon ride, and as we were driving, an eagle flew directly over the top of us and dove down into the lake to grab a fish. We watched in awe as it dropped it in the mouth of her waiting baby in the nest. It was like God's final hurrah in this journey, saying, See, Christina, I got you. I've always had you. You just needed to trust in me. Just like the eagle cares for her baby, I have cared for you. And with tears in my eyes, I hugged my sweet boys a little tighter, looked up to the sky, and whispered, thank you. Our years of waiting taught me that God is always working, even when you can't see it or feel it. God is with us, always. If all of my plans had worked out as I wanted them, I would have missed out on these two beautiful boys. All of our disappointments led us to our family that God has woven together so beautifully in his perfect timing, including Mama Jay, who continues to be a huge part of our family. Bodie and Makai, who are now eight and three, love each other and also love to drive each other crazy. But the love they share is my greatest joy. My three guys are a tangible reminder of God's goodness and faithfulness in my life. God's plans truly are better than our plans, and I will sing his praises for the rest of my life. Amen. <laughs>